Thank you for downloading this podcast from Emmanuel Church Lurgan. At Emmanuel, our vision is to help rewrite the story of Craigavon, Ireland and the nations with the good news of the Kingdom of God. We hope you enjoy listening to this message. We're on prayer and um, the, the, the word this morning is a word that's actually very dear to me. Um, I had a uh, I suppose at the, at the beginning of every decade of my life over the last probably four decades, I have felt, always felt something around decades. What does God want me to give the next 10 years to? Because there's something about longevity, isn't there? Something about giving yourself to something for the long run. And um, back in 2018, when I was turning 60, I was really um, saying to the Lord, what is it the next decade um, is for me? And through some prophetic words and some um, unctions that came my way, I felt the Lord was calling me into intercession. Now, I didn't think it was a great idea. I actually told the Lord that. And I, you probably realize if you've lived long enough or been a Christian long enough that your greatest battles aren't with the devil. They're usually with the Lord himself. And you battle these things out. And so I, I, I give God a list of people that I thought would be really good at this. And um, But he wasn't letting me off the hook. And so it's been a bit of a journey. And I'm learning. I'm not expert in any shape or form. Uh, in it, but I'm learning and I'm trying to be obedient and um, making some um, blunders along the way, I'm sure, but uh, we're going to journey in this this morning. As Dave says, we've been on prayer. You've been unpacking this in the life groups, which has been really good around the 24-7 prayer course. And yes, some of the stories keep them coming back. They've been really encouraging. So I'm going to give you a load of scripture today, all right? It is a, because, because we're going to speak in intercession, it is a relatively heavy teach in a way. So I'm going to give you loads of scripture that I'd love you if you've got a pen and a journal just to jot down. The beauty of it being online as well is you can go back, skip back and lift some of the scriptures because I'd love you just to not take my word for it. I'd love you to study this because it is a very powerful study. We're going to start um, in the letter, Paul's letter to Philippians. We're going to look at that um, in Philippians 4. And we're going to read through some verses there. I'll put them on the screen as well. This is what Paul says to the church at Philippi. He says, do not be anxious about anything. So he's telling them right away not to be afraid of your adversaries. Don't be afraid of things, all right? But in every situation, by prayer and petition, which is a form of prayer, and thanksgiving, which is another form of prayer, present your request to God, which is another form of prayer, and then a promise is given, and the promise is that the peace of God will transcend all understanding and will guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus, right? So prayer... We could say prayer displays dependence on God. That's what prayer does. It displays our, our dependence on God. And we pray to kill anxiety and cultivate peace in our lives. That's why we pray, at least primarily, that's why we pray. Um, some couple of years ago, we just passed St. Paddy's Day, but I think it was two years ago on St. Patrick's Day, my friend, one of my mates and I went for a cycle 
Now, my cycling ability is at around 20, 25 mile. That's my zone that I like to do. But this particular day, we started out and we, we, we headed to which we thought was just going to be a leisurely cycle, and we went to Hillsborough, and then we went to Cumber, and then we ended up in Belfast, and then I think we came home via France and Germany. I'm not dead sure, but it, it was miles and miles. And the time I got to Moira, um, on the way home, my sugars had fell. I hadn't eaten enough. My, I just hit the wall. And I'm three miles from home. I've cycled 90 miles. I'm three miles from home, laying a grass bank, just thought there's no way I can make it home. And um, obviously, after half a packet of glucose uh, sweets and some jelly beans and things like that, the sugar starts to rise, and I got home all right. But basically, what I'm saying is I hit a wall. And some of us in our prayer lives experience that very thing. We hit a wall, and we're not dead sure how to go on, how to move forward in our prayer lives. And so 1 Thessalonians 5, 17, Paul uses this analogy and this encouragement, and he says, pray without ceasing. So he's saying, he's not, you're not saying walk about with your eyes closed all the time or certainly don't drive like that. But basically what he's saying is always have an attitude of prayer. There's so many facets to prayer. There's so many um, little facets to this thing called prayer that you can pray without ceasing, that your heart is always in an attitude of prayer. It's actually, in the, in the Greek, it's actually quite funny. It has the connotation of a hackling cough. It's like that. <coughs> Or it just goes on and on, and you can't get your throat cleared. That's what the actual rendering of it is. So how did Paul learn this? How did, what was his secret? How is Christ glorified in this? And how did Paul find contentment? Well, he goes on in his passage, and he says this. He says, I, in, in the same passage, just a couple more verses down, he says, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need. I know what it is to have plenty. And I've learned the secret of being content. In any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want, I can do all this through him who gives me strength. So basically what he's saying, you pray in everything, for you have a promise for everything. You pray in everything, for you have a promise for everything. Down another few verses in the same chapter in verse 19, he says, My God will supply every need of yours according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, God will give you everything you need. That's either a promise or it's not. And um, some of you are saying, well, I prayed for this and I prayed for that and I didn't get the right answer and I didn't get the answer I wanted. And here's my, my interpretation of that verse. God, I say it again, God will give you everything you need. Ask him and roll all your anxieties onto him and you will have what you need to glorify his name. And under, in, and over all our answers to prayer, Jesus gives us what we need most and that's himself. And so when he says God will supply every need, that means he will supply himself. I love that. And so in sorrow, in grief, in loss, in sickness, in all of these things, God will supply our every need. And the greatest need every person has is the fact that they know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. This is the ultimate secret of contentment in every situation. The all-surpassing treasure is Christ himself. Beautiful, isn't it? Um, now, we've, we, we, we know that, that a couple of things 
relatively well, I imagine. I say, firstly, we know that the, the platform for prayer is need. We pray because we're a needy people. We need prayer, all right, and we need to pray. And then secondly, we know that prayer is first and foremost relational. It's talking to God. It's having a conversation with God. So what we're going to do today is we're going to take that up a notch or two or three and um, beyond our own needs and the shopping list type of prayer um, to a type of prayer called intercession. That's very, very biblical. As a matter of fact, the Bible is full of this. And Paul, when he's writing to young Timothy, um, who is going to pastor the church at Ephesus, this is what he says to him. He says, I urge then, first of all, the first thing you need to do, Timothy, when you pastor your church, the first thing you need to do is teach your people how to pray. Teach them how to pray, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings, those in authority, that we may live peaceful, quiet lives in godliness and holiness. And then he says this, this is good and it pleases God our Savior, all right? It pleases God when we, when we learn how to pray, when we learn how to do these different facets, many of them of prayer, and that's the reason we're taking 16 weeks to do this. It's really important. And you'll notice again the four types. Here they are on the screen. They're petitions and prayers and intercession and thanksgiving. Now, what is this thing called intercession? What is it? We're going to answer, ask and answer some of these questions in a minute or two. But let's look, first of all, Paul again, writing to the church in Rome, in Romans 8, says this, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself, listen to it, intercedes for us through wordless groans. Isn't that amazing? And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. My mom used to say to me, son, and many, many times she would have said, the son, if you can't find words, just groan. And some of the interpretations of this say that the Spirit can take the groanings of our heart. You ever be in a place where you, words just didn't seem to justify what was going on in your broken heart at that time, and you could just groan, and maybe you just wipe, you, you just wept, I don't know. But interesting, through the Scriptures, there are many, many moments of God's disappointment of the lack of people who aspire to this level of prayer. Now, this is really interesting. Um, in Ezekiel 22, when God was looking for someone to intercede for the nation of Israel, He said this, He said, I looked for someone among them who would be build up a wall and stand before me in the gap. That's intercession. Standing in the gap between, we'll look at this in a moment, between someone and their answer to prayer. That's intercession. So he says, I was looking for someone who would stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land and I, that I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one. Not, not unbelievable that he couldn't find one person in the whole nation to stand in the gap. Again, he goes on in Isaiah 59, and this is what he says. He says, the Lord looked and was displeased because there was, that there was no justice, and he saw there was, here it is again, no one, no one. He was appalled that there was no one to intercede. 
So it seems right through the history of the Bible that this thing called intercession, this high and lofty type of prayer that God is calling men and women to, he's struggling, God is struggling to find people that will step up to the mark and do this type of prayer. Now, intercession is a type of prayer that takes us below the surface of the bless me prayers. It takes us very deep. It takes us, it's a type of deep kingdom stuff. Now, back in 1992, you can Google this. This is funny, but there was a container ship sailing from Hong Kong to the United States. And it's regular. I was in the Hollies business for many years, and it's regular that in storms, containers can get lost. They just go over the side and they sink. And um, this container ship sailing in 1992 from Hong Kong to the United States got run into um, some turbulent weather and lost some containers off, off the ship. And um, one of them sank to the bottom. And when it sank to the bottom, when it got deep, when it got down into the depths, it was full of rubber ducks, <laughs> um, tens of thousands of rubber ducks. And what happened was there was such buoyancy in these rubber ducks. Whenever the container filled with water at the bottom of the ocean, it exploded. And these rubber ducks went everywhere. And Google this story. It's an interesting read. Um, some washed up on the shores of Hawaii. Sometimes even a couple of years after this happened, they turned up in Alaska, in Hawaii, in South America, in Australia, the Pacific Northwest. Others made their way to the Arctic ice. All right, still others were found in Scotland, in Newfoundland, all over the Atlantic. These rubber ducks went everywhere. Now, intercessory prayer is a bit like that. It starts out directive, and then it explodes all over the place. Imagine the, the mother that prayed for a Billy Graham. Imagine a mother that prayed for a little boy that was growing up that, would, it, it would, that one day would explode and affect the lives of not hundreds and not thousands, but tens of thousands and millions. And on and on I could go. Like a, a, a couple who put a little baby boy into a, a, a little cot to hide him from the, Egyptian that were, the Egyptians that were trying to kill their children and hid him in the bulrushes. Little did they think that this little boy would one day deliver the nation of Israel. Jesus, when he was born in Bethlehem and cradled in a little manger, little did they know, the Bible says, don't despise the day of small things. This is the sort of thing intercessory prayer does. It starts out directive, and then it just explodes all over the place. You pray for a child, a family, a street, a nation, and God does the rest. And if you want to know if you want to get treasure, you usually have to dig for it. Treasure and digging are synonymous terms. When we think of treasure, we usually think of it deep somewhere. We think that it has to be explored. It has to be dug for. We, and so here's the thing. Here's the thing. We, we, we need to, if we're going to find this treasure of intercession, we need to go into the deep places of God. That's basically what I'm saying. And we were created to be participators, you see. We were never created to be consumers. And the problem is we've created Western church. In the Western civilization, we've created church to suit consumers. And we were never born to be consumers. We were born to be participators in kingdom authority. Adam and Eve had to work the ground, and then they had to meet with God who would walk with them in the evening and talk about the work they'd done during the day. That's intercession. I um, A couple of years ago when we were allowed to go on holidays, I was on holidays with Daniel and Lorraine, and I think I've told you this story before, and we had these diving rods that you throw into the pool, 
and you dive in to get them. And so we were doing it in the shallow end, and then we decided to go down to the deep end. And uh, we threw them into the deep end as Daniel would jump in to get them. He hadn't the weight to get to the bottom, but he was a bit frustrated that I could get them and he couldn't. And so I said, son, I'll help you get them. Here's what we'll do. Now, I hope this doesn't get me into trouble. So I said, you, on the count of three, you take a big deep breath. And I went, one, two, three. He took a big deep breath. I put my hand on his head and I pushed him down under. And he come up in a minute or two with the diving rod, coughing and spluttering, but he with a big smile on his face because he got it. You see, here's the thing. I didn't want him to stay down there. And he didn't want to stay down there. But there's some stuff you need to dig for. And God may have to push you down into the depths to get it. The now I know moments like Genesis 22 where Abram's about to slay his boy Isaac and God says, don't do it, um, Abram, for now I know. And there are those moments in your life, and if you've lived long enough, I'm sure you've hit one or two of them, but there are those moments in my life, and I, they're destiny moments. They're moments that decide destiny. They're moments that actually declare something in kingdom authority where God takes you to the wire, and he says, now I know. I've tested you. God doesn't tempt, but he does test. And he said, I've tested you. And now I know that you love me, he said to Abraham. Now I know that you would not withhold anything from me, not even your son. And there are those moments that God has to push us into the depths of, of, of to find that treasure. And that's what intercession is all about. Maybe, I know this is a really crude illustration, but if, 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 if you've ever got a place in your tooth, that get, that, a food pocket that actually gathers food, you know that place? I'm sure we all have it. And you, and you go to poke it out because it's really frustrating you and you push it in further. And you've really to work to get it out. That's, I know it's a really crude illustration, but that's intercession. So let's ask, let's ask and answer a few questions about intercession. Firstly, what is intercession? What is it? Well, Four different little analogies that I think might help us, all right? Here, and there's scripture to them that, that'll help to, to, to define this for you. Intercession can be defined as love on its knees in prayer for others, all right? It is pleading to the Father on behalf of the needs of someone else, and Paul's amazing prayers to Ephesus and Colossae, um, noted down here, are the most powerful example of that. So read those prayers. Those are very, very powerful Number two, it is standing in the gap in prayers to God for someone who is unable or, or, uh, to do it for themselves or not sufficiently capable of doing it for themselves, all right? And Jesus' prayer in John 17, he says, Father, I pray for them. He's standing in the gap, you see, standing between them and God. He's standing between them and the thing that they need to pray for. It is identifying with the sin of those you are praying for, asking for forgiveness and mercy on their behalf. This is what happened in Stephen with Acts 7, 60, where he, he says, God, don't lay the sin to their charge as they're about to stone him to death. This is the sort of thing he does. And then fourthly, um, it is prayers offered for others as directed by the Holy Spirit. So in John 10, it says, for instance, my sheep hear my voice. They know my voice. They hear my voice. Micah 7 verse 7 says, I wait in God and he will hear me knowing that there will be a divine result. The Spirit will intercede for us, Romans 8. So those are key things. So one of the little things that, that I've been learning in intercession is I have a, a slot every day 
for intercession. So in the morning time, I spend some time um, seeking God, just a quiet time. Sometimes that's just lying in the presence of God, listening to some worship, um, listening to what God has to say to me, journaling some stuff. That's just my personal time. And then I have a slot for intercession. And what I do mostly on that particular time each day, I say to God, I say, God, who, who would you like me to pray for? Is there someone that, that, that I need to pray for? Now, sometimes I know who that person is. Sometimes I'll get a text and someone will say, I'm really struggling, Phil, would you pray for me? So I know that person. But other times I say to the Lord, Lord, is there someone that needs my intercession today? And instantly, this happened to me yesterday morning. I was telling Dave, um, I, I was, I was praying yesterday morning in an intercessory way, and I asked the Lord who I could pray for, and boom, he gave me a person right away, as quick as that. And so this is really important. God is in need of intercessors. He is in need of those who can actually change life situations, circumstances, and people through fervent prayer for the glory of God. So intercessory prayer is not praying for you. It's praying for someone else. Basically, that's the bottom line of it, all right? Now, God has given us authority for this. You need to know this. Through Jesus to change circumstances and the works of the devil through intercession. Here's what he says in Luke 10, 19. He says, I've given you authority to trample on snakes and scorpions and to overcome all the power of the enemy and nothing will harm you. So to be an intercessor is to be like Jesus because it's an activity that identifies us with him. Because here's what it says about Jesus. When we go to the book of Hebrews, I said I was giving you loads of scripture this morning, but because Jesus lives forever, he has a permanent priesthood. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Why? Because he always lives to intercede for them. The Spirit's interceding for us in Romans 8. Jesus is interceding for us in Hebrews 7. Pretty incredible, isn't it? Now, there are two acts there are two acts that go on continually before the throne of God. There's intercession and there's accusation. The enemy is called the accuser of the brethren. And so those two things, those two focal points of battle, the kingdom of darkness and the kingdom of light, are happening daily before the throne. And um, the enemy, we're told in John 10, 10, we know this, comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. He's known as the accuser of the brethren. He stands before God to accuse you and me. But then it says Jesus has come that he might have life, and not any old mediocre type of life, but life to the full, life that's abundant. So if your life's mediocre and your life's just getting by, then it's not abundant life. God has come to give us, Jesus has come to give us life that's full and important. Now, some of the things that I've been learning in the last couple of years as I've studied and read loads of books and Dutch Sheets and Frank DiMaggio around um, and Derek Prince around intercession, some the, the giants that have been led the way in this, and I've read and studied these uh, and, and, and read all of the scriptures that I could find, three, three important points come to bear, and I want to explain these really well if I can um, when it comes to intercession, all right? Um, the first one is uh, intervention. Now, intervention means you step into the situation with divine purpose in view. So, so what happens is uh, we do this by putting the power of darkness under the under feet. So if someone's going through trouble and, I, and I'm praying for them and I'm saying, God, what do you want me to do? What, do, do I need to start, just support them in a pastoral way or do I need to get into kingdom authority and I need to pray this through with them? And God says, okay, Phil, I want you to intervene. 
That's intervention. I want you to step into the situation. And as you step into the situation, the second thing happens, you bring in an intersection, all right? Now, an intersection is a, is a place where two roads meet. And so what's happening is, so if, if it's a medical report that's going this way, if it's a relational issue that there seems to be no way out of it and it's going this way, what we do by an intersection is we bring in another road. We actually open up another roadway into it and we open up the power of God. So we now intervene and we open up another pathway and we say, now there's another, there's another, there's another road that needs to burn this. We need to hear what God has to say in this. Now we look at this a little bit clearly just at the end for a moment or two. And then after we do that, there's an interception, which means to stop or to take over and even reverse the direction of something. And those three things, when it comes to intercession, those three things I have found are vitally important. Now we'll come back to that in a moment or two. Don't worry, we'll, we'll, we're getting through this okay. All right. Who, who do we intercede for? Well, we quoted the verse, not to run through it again, but Tim, Paul tells Timothy that we pray for all people, all people, the kings and those in authority. We've, there's, we we need, to, need to stop thinking, oh, I wonder who I could pray for today. Like, come on, get your, get your journal out, make a list. There's a, a, a bet, a, a, I was going to say I bet you a pound, but I bet you, I bet you a pound today that you could put 20 people on that page that you're writing on right now without a thought. You could put 20 people that you could pray for, and you could put another 20 people that you know are just going through tough times that maybe just need your intercession. So intercession means praying for somebody beside you, and the somebody may be someone near and deep, near to you, their, their welfare or eternal well-being. Maybe somebody that you don't even know personally, missionaries or other individuals, something that you've saw on the news that happens to me often that you just know that you need to pray for. Um, and there's loads of examples of this right throughout the scripture. And I'll take time to go into any of these, but Abram interceded for Sodom, Moses for Israel, Ezra for Israel, Elijah, that God would reveal himself to the people, Daniel, Jesus, and the key one, for me, is this one in Exodus 17. I love this passage where Moses climbs the hill. And I want you to think of the three things. I want you to think of the intervention, intersection, and interception in this story. So what happens is Joshua is about to go out onto the battlefield to fight the Amalekites. Now, the Amalekites are raiders. The Amalekites are marauders. They have heard that Israel has come out of Egypt with loads of gold and silver, and they are, they, they are robbers. And they say, I'm having some of that. And they think these are just a people that have been in slavery. We'll wipe them out, no problem. They come against the children of Israel. Joshua goes out onto the battlefield to fight with them. God speaks to Moses. Now, I'm, 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 I'm putting a little bit of presumption in here, but I think I'm right. God speaks to Moses and says to Moses, Moses, it's going to take more than the battlefield to win this. You are going to have to bring some intervention. You're going to have to intervene in a higher authority. And so as Joshua goes out onto the battlefield, Moses goes up onto the hill, lifts his hands before God and begins to worship. So the sword is on the field, the word, and the worship is on the mountain. And when the word and the worship go together, something significant begins to happen. You see, what happens the moment that Moses intervenes, there's an interception. He brings another road. He opens another pathway into this. No longer is it just a physical battle, but now the power of God. There's an interception because the power of God is 
is now coming into this thing. You see this? And the power of God comes in with Moses. It all, all depends where his hands is. His hands go down. He closes the road. All right? He lifts his hand. He opens the road. And then he begins to realize that if this is going to be, if this is going to be intercepted, if this is going to be come to an end, if this is going to come to an interception, he's going to have to hold his hands up for a long time. He gets his two buddies, his brother and his brother-in-law, and they get him a little stool to sit on. He's exhausted. He's tired. But they hold his hands up right through till, 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 till the sun goes down and Joshua completely slaughters the Amalekites. That's those three things. Intervention, intersection, and interception all coming into play. These are really important, really, really important. Now give me a few minutes, will you? And we bring it to a conclusion. This is really important stuff. And God is calling each and every one to you. And, and here, here's the thing. Some of you are sitting at home there thinking, well, that's for the prayer ninjas. And that's for Jimmy and, and, and for Jean. They, they're the prayer ninjas and they've got the gift of prayer. There is no such thing as a gift of prayer. We are all called to pray. There's no gift of prayer. Some people can just gabble better than others. That just means they're better orators. It doesn't mean they can pray better. All right? And so there's something that... that imagine these people who would come into the place and pray and intervene with no hesitation. That's what God's calling us to do. And so the psalmist would say, the Lord is my shepherd. And one of the things that I've discovered in the last couple of years of trying to do this a little bit is those three words are the most important three words in the Bible. The Lord is, the Lord is, are the most three important words when they leap into my head every time I go into intercession. The Lord is. The Lord is. The Lord is. Because He is everything. And He is all that we can trust. And when it comes to interceding, you need to know that you can trust the person you're interceding to. And I can tell you right now, the Lord is your shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd. They tell us that a camel, whenever it goes through a long journey in a desert and is carrying the burden, the, the loads for people, after the long journey, when they come to the end of the journey, the, the knees of the camel lock and they can't get the camel to bend. And because the camel won't bend, they can't get the burden off because it's too high. And so what the, 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 they do is they beat the legs of the camel. They have to beat the backs of the knees of the camel. And as they, back, they beat the backs of the knees of the camel, then the camel bends and then they can get the burden off. Wow, pretty interesting, isn't it? The camel sort of rings true for us, doesn't it? And some of you, some of you that are listening today are just one knee bend away from deliverance. You're just one knee bend away from freedom. You're just one knee bend away from your, from your answer, from your kids, from your relationship, from your finance, from your whatever's going on. Because the psalmist would say, he restores my soul. That again is either true or it's not. And it's one of my but verses that I've used for a lifetime now. He restores my soul. When I get into a situation where it argues with the word. I'm going to go with the word. So when I get to a place where I, I feel like I can't go on, or I get to the place where grief overcomes me, I say, God, I feel like I can't get through this. But you said you would restore my soul. Emphasis on the he. He restores my soul. He restores my soul. We all know the old um, story of Humpty Dumpty, don't we? Humpty Dumpty sat in a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty together again. All the king's horses and all the king's men 
Ever wonder why they just didn't call the king? Some of you have fallen and you're broken and you're messing around with all the king's horses and you're running to all the king's men and all the king's women. You just need to call on the king himself. Here's the Bible says. Do you not know? Have you not heard that the Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth? He won't grow tired or weary, and his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and increases the power of the weak. He goes on to say this. He says, even youths grow weary and tired and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Call on the king this morning. Call on the king. The psalmist says, you prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You ever been in a place where you feel thin? Where... There's like a, an anger inside you or an anxiety that just grips you like a vice. Even the wee things like answering an email or a text is irritating. You're empty, your reserves are gone. God is looking to redeem your imagination, to restore your soul, and to give you a burden for others. Could it be that in the presence of my enemies, could it be that maybe my inner weaknesses that you're waiting and I'm waiting until they're all sorted out. Well, I have news for you. <laughs> Despair and discouragement and anxiety and fear and shame and guilt and low self-esteem and maybe even a little bit of temper within you. Now, I'm not advocating habitual known sin. That's a different thing altogether. Needless to say, that needs to be dealt with. But I am saying in the midst of our brokenness, God works. And these are the very things that you think stop you from interceding for others. And Jesus says, I will prepare a table for you in the midst of your enemies. So if you're waiting to get your life sorted out before you start praying for other people, you're never going to pray for other people. Jesus called 12 disciples when they were still working their own stuff out. And right through the three years, story after story after story, they still didn't get it. But they were followers of Jesus and these are the very things that you think might be stopping you. And remember, remember, there's a table set. God fights, we eat, and the table becomes a place of delight, not a place of denial. Actually, the table of the Lord is a place where blessedness and brokenness come together. It's where I can bring my brokenness, and God can actually use even my brokenness as I pray for other people. And you see, unless you get this right, you become powerless to intercede for others. And the enemy loves to do this. The enemy thinks, well, you couldn't pray for anybody. It's you, you're a mess. You want to heal yourself? Get a serving others ministry. Start to pray for other people. Start to intercede on behalf of other people, and you'll be amazed at what God does within you. And the guys are going to come and finish us with a song. But can I just say this? Um, as we conclude this morning, here's something. Silence, repentance, pilgrimage, solitude, worship, memorizing scripture. You need to slow down. You need to eat less spiritual fast food. <laughs> the church desperately needs people that have been fattened at the table of the Lord. And he says, the psalmist says, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. What's he saying? Well, it took me that long to get here. <laughs> Nothing's going to praise me from it. 
took me that long to get here. It took me that long to understand these things. He says, this is where I'm going to stay. I'm going to stay here. I'm going to live here forever. So the call is this morning to up the ante. Start praying for others. Start looking. We're going to sing an old song. What a friend we have in Jesus. And like, there is something about inviting Jesus into your life today. Inviting Jesus, teaching you, allow him to teach you to intercede on behalf of others, even as I say, as you watch the news across the world and see the things, there is much that needs prayer. Sorry I went on a little this morning. It's just it's a massive subject. Dave will pick it up again next week, but um, it's my, I'll come back and pray in a moment. There's so much more running through my head, and I'll come back in a moment. We just pray quickly, but let's worship together. Let's make this our prayer. Let's look to Jesus. Call him your friend. Let him invite you into this mystery of intercession where we bring ourselves, our broken selves, to the table of the Lord, and we find his blessedness amidst our brokenness. Let's worship together. We hope you enjoyed listening to this podcast. For more information about our church and all that we do, please visit our website at emmanuel-church.co.uk.